You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Jordan Wellington, and I'm joining him here in the Simplifia office space here today in Denver. Simplifia is a cannabis compliance tool and platform. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So let's uh, get to know you. I've known you for a few years since living here in Denver, uh, since 2014. Um, But even before then, before legalization, what were you doing? What's your background before you got involved in the cannabis industry and movement? Uh, Well, um, I'm a Jersey boy. I grew up on the East Coast, uh, just outside New York City. Uh, went to University of Maryland and then Brooklyn Law School, um, spent some time working with the Epilepsy Foundation of New Jersey, helping children with developmental disabilities. Uh, and uh, after law school, worked at the New Jersey Office of Legislative Services, where I got um, you know my, my initial experience doing public policy work as a bill drafter, writing laws for the state of New Jersey. Wow. Yeah, I had a little stint at University of Maryland myself. That's pretty cool. So, And here we are now in Denver, Colorado. Um, so w- after doing all that work, um, what got you interested or involved in cannabis? Some people have like a personal story or, or a social justice passion. So what is that for you? Uh, I've I've always been involved in the cannabis community, I guess, for a very long time. Um, but most of my my advocacy and philanthropic work centered around uh, working with people with developmental disabilities, 
um, and then in a more academic sense, doing things like tax increment financing programs and economic development programs first in New Jersey. Uh, and then after I moved to Colorado, uh, my wife and I were kind of disillusioned with life on the East Coast. Uh, had some friends out here in Denver and quit our jobs and ran away in July of 2012. Uh, I did a, a lot of different progressive political work, uh, trying to make a name for myself, working for no or very little money for a while, uh, and eventually found myself as an aide in the Colorado House Majority Office during the 2013 legislative session when the implementation of Amendment 64 uh, the legalization of cannabis here was occurring. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it certainly was. Uh, and, and that's when I kind of dumbed into everything I get to do today. Um, I had a good friend named Ian, uh, who was the legislative director of that legislative session. And I showed up to work one day in his office and he said, uh, you know, I'm taking away all of your other responsibilities I was working on, gun control and um, a variety of other progressive initiatives that we were kind of trying to push through at that time, and told me that I was uh, going to be responsible for staffing the Joint Select Committee uh, and helping with the implementation of legalization. Uh, I believe at that point I asked him if I could do something else um, because I really wanted a job after the session. Um, I would have been in a lot of debt. Uh, and he told me, fuck no, this isn't a democracy. Uh, do what I told you, um, which was kind of cool because we were literally in the Capitol when he uh, suggested that, that I had to actually follow him like a dictator. And the good thing is uh, he was right and I listened to him um, <laughs> because, because I didn't see it at the time, but, but I had uh, been given the opportunity of a lifetime and the opportunity to pursue something that, that I had always been passionate about but didn't have a structure or avenue to combine my um, belief in the end of prohibition of cannabis uh, and, and desire to really end cannabis prohibition into a way that actually was a professional career. Uh, and so uh, I ended up implementing legalization first uh, at the Colorado General Assembly, carrying all of the bills uh, that created the regulatory structure for our marketplace, first through the House uh, and then through the Senate. Um, once the session ended, uh, I was fortunate enough to be asked by the executive director of the Department of Revenue uh, to join the Marijuana Enforcement Division uh, as their policy analyst uh, and helping draft the administrative regulations. And so uh, after talking to a bunch of my, my new friends and, and now colleagues about what I should do having uh, finished implementing legalization at the legislature, we kind of all agreed that the, the absolute nerdiest and dorkiest thing I could possibly do was to go work for the weed police. Uh, writing regulations uh, on technical aspects of, of kind of how the market would be structured and how businesses would need to operate within the new licensed industry uh, for adult use sales. And so I, I went ahead and, and did that and at the end of the day kind of stumbled into everything I'm doing now. Wow, wow, that's pretty incredible. And yeah, I can I can relate to the idea that, you know, maybe five years ago um, to, to work in cannabis, if you fail, you know, there's that risk of trying to go back to mainstream industries and then looking and seeing cannabis on your resume and and the stigma prevailing and them not wanting to hire you. But I think we've seen more and more people coming from all kinds of industries into our industry to contribute their knowledge and passions and skills. 
Um, so, you know, a few years down the line here, thankfully we're all, we're all still employed and, and, uh, in a thriving industry really that continues to grow every day. Yeah. I didn't even, uh, I, you know, I didn't even realize kind of the importance of, of the work that I had done and, and the contributions that I had made. I was actually, uh, leaving a restaurant after dinner with my wife in town called Steubens and uh, a former Democratic Senator, Jesse Uliberry, who's an incredible guy, uh, former ACLU attorney, um, head and hearts really in the right place, uh, was walking in and he was like, oh my God, Jordan, you're the pot guy. It's great to see you. And I'm like, oh my God, like Senator Uliberry, I need a job. Like, please don't call me that. Please like, don't I'm, call me the pot I'm, guy. I'm super broke. And he just, <laughs> he just laughed at me and he's like, you don't even realize what you did. It all just happened so fast. Yeah. Uh, and I think at that moment, I kind of started to dawn on me how much my life was about to change and mm -hmm. the uh, incredible journey that I've been able to go on and, and the, the good fortune I've had to be able to meet so many incredible, wonderful people like you. I agree. I, I totally agree. I love our growing cannabis family and, and seeing more businesses um, emerge to serve our industry. Uh, which leads me to Simplifya. You are now the chief compliance officer for Simplifya. Uh, so, so tell me more about the com the company and and what your role is here and your day to day. What do you what are you doing for Simplifya? Uh, well, I, I get to have a very fancy title, uh, <laughs> which is important. Um, uh, Simplifya is is my baby. I I am really happy and proud to say that. Uh, you know, this is a company that that is a labor of love for a lot of us involved, and something that we believe is really important to uh, moving legalization forward. After I left the marijuana enforcement division, uh, I joined the law firm Vicente Cedarberg and worked there for many years, uh, both for the law firm as well as VS Strategies, the uh, government affairs and lobbying arm uh, of mm -hmm. Vicente Cedarberg. Uh, a lot of my work was still government affairs and regulatory policy, uh, but I also was doing a tremendous amount of work supporting our clients uh, on the compliance front. And it kind of quickly dawned on me that, that the provision of compliance services, uh, especially through a law firm, was kind of antiquated and inefficient. Mm -hmm. And we started to have discussions around the office uh, and a lot of kind of uh, you know, discussions I guess I have with myself in the evenings and weekends and at concerts around how we could do this differently and how we could do this better mm -hmm. and really thinking through those problems. And uh, that's how Simplify was born. It was born from uh, recognizing that we were helping our clients, but that we were doing so in a very costly and inefficient way. And we realized that by bringing technology to bear and marrying it with our unique level of regulatory expertise, we could really broaden our impact, expand our reach, um, provide better service for less money, uh, and at the same time, you know, keep cannabis businesses compliant, which, you know, to us is really important. And, and I always say this and people laugh, but, uh, you know, I think compliance is the linchpin to legalization in many ways. Um, you know, it's, it's what shows that regulation works, that the businesses are following the rules and that cannabis can be regulated. And so it's incredibly important that you know, we provide the tools for cannabis businesses to be able to comply with these hundred, hundreds of pages of regulations that change all the time. Oh, you got it. I mean, the joke, cannabis is regulated more heavily than plutonium. It, yeah, compliance is, 
central to our industry. I think that comes up over and over again in this podcast. All right. Well, we have to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be back to talk more with Jordan about all things cannabis industry. So please stay tuned to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice, and we've been chatting with Jordan Wellington from the company Simplifya, which is compliance, 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 compliance. All right, so Jordan, in, in your tenure in the cannabis industry, I'm sure you've seen a lot of companies navigate all kinds of struggles, ranging from just getting implemented to begin with to, of course, compliance. Are there any uh, horror stories of things going badly that you could share as a warning for others? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I always have had, uh, you know, some interesting experiences over the years. Um, I would say my, my funniest stories typically involve in the creation of regulations, but there are plenty of horror stories once those regulations are, are put in place. Um, I remember a really long time ago, uh, the fire department showed up at a client's facility uh, and shut them down because they did not have the appropriate alcohol extraction permit. Mm. Um, these were uh, a very reputable business, been around forever, never had any compliance issues, and they called up the office and were like, you know, hey Jordan, uh, what's this permit that we need? And, and I was like, well, I, I don't know, nobody's ever heard of that kind of permit. So I, I emailed the fire department and eventually uh, you know, sleuthed everything out by by somehow getting on the phone with uh, one of the chiefs of the Denver Fire Department, uh, and I got him to admit that they had decided that they needed a permit form the week before, 
that there was nothing substantive wrong with our client's facility, that they just needed to fill out the paperwork to obtain the permit. Uh, and that previously, uh, they had about a week before decided to create this permit. Uh, I think they finished the paperwork about what the permit should look like a couple of days beforehand, uh, didn't tell anybody about it, didn't mm. make the permit available on their website, and then just showed up at our client's facility uh, to to shut them down because they didn't have a permit that they fabricated a week before. Mm, not uh, nice. Not nice at all. N no, not nice. Um, and this is stuff that we've seen kind of get better over time. You know, uh, there have been a lot of government agencies that, that were not exactly as respectful of cannabis businesses uh, five years ago that, that have kind of come into line with modern times a little bit more. Um, but it's certainly frustrating and it happens where, you know, the regulations change and uh, it's, a, it's really the, the industry advocates, the groups like NCIA at a national level, you know, fighting for legalization today, but tomorrow post-legalization is going to be fighting for exactly these kinds of things where, you know, the industry group calls up the government and is like, all right, guys, well, it's, you know, we're happy to get you your new permits, but you have to let us know you can't come over and shut our facilities down without uh, actually letting us know that you're supposed to have it. So, yeah. so that one's a little difficult. Um, and the really the most nasty stuff we've seen is, is what's called administrative holds here in Colorado, where the government can come in and seize your product, uh, make you know freeze it on site essentially. So it's it, they don't take it with them because they don't want to have to store your cannabis. But you're not allowed to move it, sell it, transfer it, do anything mm. uh, until their investigation ends. And and although I have been fighting with the regulators about this for years, uh, the issue I have with this process is there's no real way to challenge the seizure of your property, and so there is no due process. Uh, associated with this and we've had clients been stuck on administrative hold for a year or more uh, with product just frozen in place obviously cannabis is pretty perishable and it's pretty much useless at that point and yeah. they, they force negotiation and destruction of product through settlements um, but it did lead to one of my favorite legal arguments I've ever made in my whole life when I told someone from the Attorney General's office that it, it is called due process because a process is due yeah, uh, which, yeah. I thought, which I thought was really funny um, very poignant. I like it. Yeah, Very but, to the point also. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy on the other end of the phone call did not find it humorous or appreciate my accusations of their unconstitutional behavior. <laughs> well, I mean, government works when it when it also acts with integrity. So unfortunately, when they fail to meet the mark there, um, you know, it, it's it's not good for anyone involved and can definitely be devastating to a cannabis business stuck in that muck right there. Absolutely. So it, so these are the kinds of things um, that compliance, a chief compliance officer is trying to have his finger on the pulse of faster, quicker, and, and really understand it so that clients don't get impacted like this, or at least as, as little as possible. Yeah, I mean, what we do at Simplifya is, is study the regulations and provide businesses with the tools to get ahead of problems. You know, we are uh, boiling it down in a very simple way. We're a risk mitigation software. Our software is very inexpensive. It's less than $200 per facility a month, um, designed to really be affordable by the smallest mom and pops, not just the big boys. Um, and what we're hoping is that what we can do is, is provide people with the tools to get out ahead of this stuff, organize it, assess it, maintain compliance, take all this legal legalese and turn it into really simple yes or no questions, try to write everything to a fifth grade reading level and, and just 
help people run their business in a way that, that protects their investment and, and mitigates the risk of operating in a highly regulated industry. You got it. You got it. Thanks. Thanks for breaking that down. So let's change gears now. I mean, obviously, we're all still uh, unpacking and, and analyzing what just went down in the midterm elections. We have some wins. We have some losses. We definitely had some wins in Michigan, Missouri, and Utah. What are your thoughts on that? And hey, high five, three new states. High five. Um. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm really excited about the the midterm elections for a variety of reasons. I'd also throw a shout out to Florida, which uh, uh, restored the voting rights to a lot of felons through a constitutional amendment there, um, which you know indirectly has a huge uh, relation to to cannabis, the cannabis industry, and, and cannabis reform. Um, but on top of that, I, I am particularly excited about Michigan. Um, not only is Michigan one of our newest adult use states. Um, but Michigan uh, has not created any limitation or control on the number of licenses that will be issued. Oh, wow. Um, and that, at least for, for the policy nerds uh, out there and the people who, who like free markets and, and efficient operations, uh, is a big deal for us. Uh, you know, a lot of the states that have moved forward on the East Coast, uh, mostly medical, for uh, uh, through the legislature have adopted very strict limits on licensure and created merit-based application processes and things like that, which more or less ensure that all of the uh, licenses and all of the business and ownership opportunities go to the, the privileged, the, the very wealthy, hmm. uh, because they're the ones that can afford to put such an application together and win that type of license. Uh, in contrast, Michigan has come out and created uh, a real opportunity for true entrepreneurship and, and an opportunity for the, the citizens of the state of Michigan to build some really amazing, wonderful businesses, employ a lot of people, uh, and, and give folks a real leg up uh, in life. And so, you know, as, as uh, watchers of cannabis policy and believers in the free market and, uh, you know, in, in kind of the, the true American way that, you know, businesses compete and succeed and fail, uh, you know, we are incredibly excited about uh, Michigan and and what's going to happen there. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's so important to uh, have small businesses in our industry. Our industry represents an opportunity to not only create more jobs, which we certainly have, um, but also, you know, it, it is important to not monopolize and only allow the privilege to open businesses in our industry. This this industry belongs to the people, darn it. <laughs> um, so we have just a minute before we have to take a commercial break, um, but we're going to come back and, and touch a little bit on Attorney General Jeff Sessions' resignation and, and talk a little bit more about NCIA. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. 
Your business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a Approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back and we're wrapping up our chat here with Jordan Wellington from the company Simplifya providing cannabis compliance tools for the cannabis industry. Um, We were just kind of rapping about the new states that um, either adult use or medical have have voted to join our industry, which we're super thrilled about. And wow, Michigan, yeah, huge state. It's it's pretty exciting. Um, And then the other thing that came from, well, not from the midterms necessarily, but right after Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who we know is not our best friend, um, resigned or was asked to resign. Um, so at first, we're thinking, hooray, this is great. Someone who has horrible cannabis policies and, and thoughts about the cannabis industry and, and people who smoke cannabis is now gone. But, you know, it, there's not necessarily a reason to celebrate just yet. Um, there's still some unknowns. Um, so let's talk about that. You know, who who's going to take his place? And, you know, by the time this episode airs, I mean, who knows? Maybe somebody could be appointed by then. What do you think? Uh, you know, sometimes the, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know last, uh, you know, the election not only came with uh, Jeff Sessions' resignation the day afterwards, but Pete Sessions was also voted out of office. So. Uh, we lost our, our sessions nemeses uh, <laughs> over a 48-hour period, and I think that that, in some ways, is very positive. And Jeff Sessions not having a, a bully pulpit to uh, spread falsehoods and lies and 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 say terrible things about the cannabis community certainly, uh, I think, is good because I, I don't like being uh, disparaged in public for no legitimate reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, you know, we don't exactly know who's going to replace him. Uh, Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is on the short list. Yikes! Uh, don't think that I don't think that he would be very good for us. Nope. Um, <laughs> and you know, at the end of the day, it 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 can be a little nerve wracking because if a new Attorney General comes along, uh, who is 
predisposed to having strong anti-cannabis views, but has a better relationship with Donald Trump, it is certainly possible that he will be able to bend the president's ear uh, and we could at least theoretically have a shift in federal policy. Mm. Um, you know, the good news is that we've seen uh, senators like Cory Gardner step up and, uh, you know, hold up judicial nominations over states' rights issues relating to cannabis. And, uh, you know, the, the work of really all of our federal advocates, uh, NCIA included, will will be to make sure that this new attorney general does not pose a threat to our growing industry. Um, but, you know, I think it's hard to, you know, throw a party for, for Jeff Sessions' resignation just yet. Uh, I think it's better that we kind of wait and see, figure out what exactly has happened, and, uh, you know, hopefully just pick up the pieces and start the hard work of, of ending federal prohibition sometime in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's it's all a lot of wait and see. I mean, particularly these last two years with the new administration, every day is a little bit different and has its own surprises. So, uh, it, although, I mean, so many citizens across the country have voted for pro-cannabis legislation in one way, shape, or form that it, it's it's a winning issue for for any politician uh, who who really wants to represent their constituents or at least get reelected, you have to look at the cannabis vote now, which is a cool thing to say for sure. Uh, yeah, it was great to see all these, uh, you know, it was a lot of artists and musicians, but it was all over social media, these images of like, you know, I, I, I smoke cannabis and I vote these signs. They had all these people kind of walking around with and it's, uh, you know, it's empowering. Uh, to, to feel like the cannabis community can, can have some influence over these types of things as opposed to just being, uh, you know, the punching bag that we've been all these years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, I think we're making a lot of progress and there's a lot to feel good about. Um, and another thing to feel really good about, uh, just to change topics a little bit as we wrap up, is that uh, NCIA, our podcast here, is celebrating two years our first episode was the 2016 election, and now, now <clears throat> here we are two years later talking about what happened in the midterm. So pretty exciting. Thank you for joining me two, two years into NCI's podcast. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. And, and you've been a member of NCIA in various capacities and attended our events. You've been a hell of a member definitely involved in our annual lobby days in DC, which is the best. Um, and, and as our membership grows, um, I think we've continued to be able to look to people like you who have so much experience and expertise uh, to help guide us in, in, a, in a good direction. So, so thanks for that. And we uh, look forward to seeing you at some upcoming events. Um, were, were you in, were you in Anaheim for our California conference recently? I, I was, uh, you know, my first ever, um, cannabis industry event that I ever participated in was NCIA lobby days shortly after I left the state, uh, and got to speak on a, a congressional press briefing and talked about cannabis tax revenues and some things like that, which was pretty exciting. Um, and then my, my, most recently, I was uh, at the conference, the CannabizCon in Anaheim. I uh, had the privilege of speaking on a panel with some friends from uh, CCIA, Harborside, and the BCC. 
and, and that panel was particularly interesting because the BCC had adopted some uh, regulations uh, prior to the event mm. uh, that had some really kind of disastrous effects for the industry. I think there were a lot of unintended consequences. That's the that's the trick with business regulation is you want to avoid those unintended consequences. Mm. Um, and it gave me an opportunity to uh, what I what I like to call poking the bear because uh, we had a member of the BCC on our panel and as well as in the audience. And so uh, <laughs> being the non-California member of the team, I was given an opportunity to explain the uh, economic and administrative consequences of the decisions that they had made and why alternate proposals might have created more efficiency for the industry, which uh, was met with a lot of cheers from the audience uh, and something that I always certainly enjoy being able to do. Uh, so yeah, uh, gotta got gotta love the chance to to goof on the regulators a little bit. Put him in the hot seat a little bit, yeah. <laughs> okay, well we have run out of time, uh, but thanks so much for chatting with me today. Um, our NCIA's upcoming events are the Seed to Sale Show in Boston in February, 2019, as well as our quarterly caucus events, as well as some new events coming to some new parts of the country that we haven't been to before. So stay tuned to learn more about that. And for more information, visit nationalcannabisindustryassociation.org. And thanks again, Jordan. It's been cool chatting with you today. Thank you so much. It's been great being here. And I look forward to seeing everybody at some NCI events in the future. Simplify, simplify, simplify. <laughs> thanks for tuning into another episode of NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.